Podcast. Me llamo Mateo Etu Esteban E. Jan. It's it worked with the Jan. See, I was like, what the hell is this? Until you got to the Jan. And then I was like, Except right, it's right. not Jan, it's Juan. I know, but Jan pisses you off. Jan is so God. much better. Jan <laughs> Saunders. Matt Storm, Steve Nagel, Jan Saunders. You like it. You like it. No, I, I answer to two names. John and Giovanni, and Giovanni only on my Italian side of the family, primarily my grandmother, because she calls me that all the time. You really get Giovanni a lot? Yeah. Interesting. When she's angry at me. So I hear it a lot. Well, there's lots of names out there that that they're really, really plain in English. Then once they become Italian, it's kind of like epic. For instance, just the word Jimmy becomes Giacinto, and that's pretty cool. I remember my Spanish teacher in high school was actually pretty excited that my name was Matt Storm because it's one of the few names you could say first and last in Spanish. I was Mateo Tormenta. Tormenta? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because Tormenta is a storm. Nagel means nail. I'm Stephen Nail. Wow, but Steve is, is 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 means crown or regal, so I'm the royal nail. So you're crown nail. I'm the all crown nail. I'm the best of all out there. You find a box of nails. I'm like be, the I'm like the one gold one. That should be like your pen name if you write a book, crown nail. Thank you. I I or will about, delete you saying that. So now it's my idea in, <laughs> in the hereafter. Yes. Um. So before we get into album and other stuff, um, there's some top of the show stuff I want to actually get into. So yesterday I did go see, um, a great nerdcore concert at the Fifth Estate in Brooklyn. Um, I think I had mentioned the week before that I was going. Um, it featured a bunch of great artists who I made some connections with, and a few will be guests on the podcast in the future. Um, so I want to give a quick shout out because I know some of them are actually going to start listening to Tribe One, Lewis Logic. Michael Kill, Adam Warrock, and of course Schaefer the Dark Lord. Um, they all performed last week in that order um, at the Nerdcore concert. I also ran into Hops, who was there in the crowd, as well as Nelson Lugo. Um, it was a great show. It was a lot of fun. Um, there were some prize guests. Um, Adam Warrock's closer, he did Salieri from his new record featuring MC Frontalot and Lewis Logic, and MC Frontalot was in the crowd, which was nice. Also, um, a female rapper named um, Christy B, uh, who's featured on the song Boys, which attacks sexist pig men, which there are a lot of in the world, um, and is pro-feminism song um, from Schaefer's new record. She was in the crowd, and they sang that song live at the show, which was cool. Um, it was a lot of fun. We're actually I'm in talks with Lewis Logic to have him on in April, so look forward to that. Um, so that was that was kind of my big thing for the weekend is I got to see this awesome concert, which I'm going to do an article about hopefully this week. You should stop making promises. Idle promise. Well, you never know. He might do it. I actually took a ton of photos at the show, so, and was posing them and ordering them for the write-up, so. And editing and... In other words, you've just made it so your excuse will be really, really bad if you actually uh, bail out. Don't do it. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Okay, fair enough. 
Well, let's go from the super local news to the super international news. Uh, the Olympics were this the Olympic opening ceremonies this week, and we have a whole month to look forward to of those great Olympic sports. Uh, chief among them that, curling. No, I will watch curling and a lot of it. I I, I mean I'm I'm praying don't we even win know. the uh, I'm praying we beat Russia in its house in hockey. I would love to beat Russia. That would be awesome. in its house. That's the thing. I'm not a big hockey. follower of sports, but winter sports are kind of awesome, and and I only get it once well, every four the Olympics. years. I watch the Olympics and I watch the X Games every time they come around. I enjoy that individualistic yep, competition. Me too. I try to get as much as variety. possible. Plus. They did the, uh, my, my favorite event this year has so far been the uh, downslope uh, snowboarding. First time I was there because we mm. went back to back gold, men's and women's. Go USA, I'm being a patriot. But gee, Steve. It's okay sure. to be a patriot in the Olympics. <laughs> it's really okay. But it's gee, not like Steve. jingoism or anything. Clearly, it's all about sports and this has nothing to do with music, does it? Well, funny you should ask that because, in fact, there's something called the opening ceremony. So, so yeah, I was really getting to a music thing here. The opening ceremony, of course, is all about this big show that, you sure. know, the, the host country gets to put on and basically say, hey, we are the new up-and-coming nation in the world. Even if you're not the new up-and-coming nation in the world. But, well, uh, considering in it's case, Sochi and we've seen pictures and read articles, it's not. Well, the thing is, Russia Russia has had many heydays and then sometimes not so much heydays. Yeah, this and, is not one of them. Well, everyone's got their opinion on Russia, and everyone likes to turn Olympics into something political, which, let's face it, yeah, sometimes it is. It's been this year, but... Like, no, everyone talks about the 1930... Was it 1936 and 1938? But that was the big Olympics, you know, right before uh, right before Nazi Germany. It was held in Berlin, so, yeah. of course, everyone is talking about what it, you know, what will Nazi Germany become before they really knew what it was go going to or become. Or the Beijing Even Olympics. if they did know what it was yeah. to become. Or the this Olympics, yeah. or the that Olympics. Yes, it it yeah. has it has lost some of its bring the world together and instead try to use it for political maneuvering. But anyway, back to the opening ceremonies. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, you know, Putin probably did use this for political maneuvering, considering yeah. he's been no, arguing really. for it for like the last six years, <laughs> been pushing it out there. Get it to Soki, get it to Soki. You and said Putin. Oh, for the love of it. What? Why, we no, no, Why do we podcast with you? Really? Anyway, no, no, he's got a point. You should laugh at Putin. Oh, this is fair Regardless enough. of name. This is but here's the thing. I will spin this into a positive, because the thing is, whatever you feel about Putin and his politics, oh, that's kind of nice. Putin and his politics. I think we said this, made this, this joke in, be, like, episode seven or something like that. A, that would be it's a got great... That yes, when we were talking about um, the band that got arrested. Pussy Riot? Pussy Riot. That's, that's right. Who well, have been released subsequently. Yes. That's right. And there's a lot of that stuff surrounding the Olympics these days, too. But either way, whatever you feel about the politics of modern-day Russia, Russia has a very, very interesting history from an artistic, uh, cultural standpoint, and especially from a musical standpoint. Uh, and obviously now they're trying to sort of reinvent themselves. Is the new Russia trying to pin put their culture out there? Because people only remember, you know, culture... From in Russia for what it was way back then. They actually said themselves that they're not going to be put, putting a lot of uh, pop bands, for instance, like London had. You know, London yeah. is, is one of the kings of modern pop, so they had no shortage of people to go to when they had their Olympics in 2012. Yep. For Russia, it's a little bit tougher. There's not a lot of bands up there in the forefront. So they did go back to what they know. They went back to really, really old stuff. They went to Tchaikovsky. They went to Stravinsky. The stuff that I love about Russian music. The stuff that I think is one of the most ingenious music that has ever been created in the history of, of, of music, to be honest. 
Um, it's the kind of classical music that if you go back to this sort of neo-romantic style, that if you go back to, you could easily burgeon new genres, rock genres, out of the kinds of chord progressions that were used back then. So we got a lot of Firebird Symphony, and we had a very, very interesting piece, which actually was from after the fact. It was by Georgi Sviridov, and it was called Time Forward. And this was not from that, that time in Russia. This was actually from communist Russia. And it's kind of sad that this piece, Time Forward, was actually used for, I believe it was a, a nighttime news show called Vremya, that was basically their version of NBC 630 News, you know, the half an hour special that defined what is going on in the world. Unfortunately, it was the slanted communist version of that. And they used this beautiful, brilliant piece so as an intro to that. But then again, it did bleed into that. That show has gone through evolution and it's a lot more open and uh, and glasnost style, you know, openness uh, than it was back in those days. But either way, they used to this end in the Olympics, they used that piece as a summation of that transformation from from old imperialist Russia into uh, communist Russia when everything was sort of melding the in blending the individual wilting it away into this unified uh everyone think in the group think and go toward this this singular this singular goal it was a very fascinating thing it was it was a, called a um a suprematic ballet so you have all these dancers come on stage and they're they're wheeling in gears and it's all led by a by a locomotive it was a very very fascinating piece but it, it walks the line really with like what you want to think about the whole Bolshevik revolution, you know, positive, negative, yeah, it wasn't too good, but then again, imperialist Russia wasn't too good either. I love that gray area of history, and I think they pulled it off really, really tastefully. Um, For Russia. Well, that's the thing. They, sh they did show the grays. They showed the positives and the negatives of it. If you want to feel something from this, you feel at, at, its, at, its, at its basic components, you feel what was happening regardless of positive or negative you just feel the event right and this was all within the olympics that that's really really bold and it was it was the most expensive olympics uh olympic opening ceremony ever put on to date so and then again i think every single op opening ceremony i is, think it is just goes just up and up more and, up and, more, and more money it's just like they say yeah. this is the biggest super bowl halftime show and today it means nothing it's anymore. because every year it gets yeah. bigger and bigger it's pretty scary oh, to see what we're going to see in 50 speak, years speaking of the super bowl very briefly um i posted this on our fa facebook fan page because i thought it was pretty funny after the uh super bowl and the red hot chili peppers performed um, there had been jokes around the internet going that Will Ferrell looks just like, I can't remember his name now, but the drummer of Red Hot Chili Peppers. That they always look very similar. And they do look kind of similar. Well, um, Will Ferrell went on Funny or Die recently and released a blog video saying that you guys found me out and that there actually is no Will Ferrell. It's actually me, so-and-so, the drummer of Chili Peppers. I do movies on the side under a different name. Will Ferrell doesn't exist. And I'm sorry that I lied to you for all this time. I'll see you next time on tour. Then the drummer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers released a video saying, you know, very tongue-in-cheek, stop impersonating me. This is unacceptable. I challenge you to a drum-off. We'll show you who's who. It was very clever and very funny. It was, a, it was a, a cute way to handle this very ridiculous concept that they're the same person when they're obviously not. So, so that was your segue, historical ballet, into totally looks like. 
Speaking of another historical <laughs> aspect and getting back on the Olympics, not to demean what Matt said. Uh, <laughs> totally was, looks like. <laughs> there was that other part that I thoroughly enjoyed after, uh, 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 upon even repetition. I enjoyed it even more. The Daft Punk... Oh yeah, it was okay. That's the thing. There's a flip side to to the Olympics. Like, okay, yes, they went back, but they were also trying to, you know, yeah, come on, Russia, push something modern. So of course, what's more international? Actually, it's kind of a funny statement. What's more international than Daft Punk? I'm sure there's a lot more things more international than Daft Punk. But then again, Daft Punk's up there. It's up there they because started you know, tech, overseas. techno music is one of those genres that really, yeah, of course, they started out in 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 France, but techno music in itself really hath no boundaries. There's, there's no cultural... You don't feel any cultural uh, restraint in there whatsoever. It can be anywhere at once. So yeah, of course it was going to be uh, popular everywhere. So the Russian police choir decided that, you know, along with their their more uh, straight-laced performances, uh, namely the Russian National Anthem, which was actually pretty beautiful. It's always pretty moving. Um, you know, again, Russian patriotism regardless. They also did... Uh, this Get Daft Lucky. Punk, Get Lucky, the big single from the Random Access Memories album, which, um, well, <laughs> it, it was, was different. <laughs> it was interesting, and it was, it was one of the most, ro- uh, most Russian things I heard during that show. It is, because really it's got that it was lilt the... on, on their, you, you can hear their accent behind it. They probably, probably most of them don't speak English, and they're just singing the lyrics. But it also had that, that, uh, uh, What's the word? That patriotism in the whole choir work, the very deep Mother Russia kind of uh, exactly. uh, unified voice. The same inflection that they would put in their national anthem. They, they threw into this, into Which Get is, Lucky, of all things. It was, it was surprisingly enjoyable. Uh, you, you don't think, you know, that that sort of patriotism... Uh, uh, vocal work that you are is really iconic for a lot of different uh, media. Well, it's also you could also just boil it down to great choir work. I mean, it was it was interesting harmonies, and I'm but not that, saying this was like no, a, no, crazy, choir, a crazy complex thing. That but. whole that whole idea that choir though is very much a a a very specific sound when used in media, when used in movies, when used. It's rousing. In, it's not even rousing. You, it's instantly recognizable as Russia as Slavic. Oh, yeah. It is an iconic sound of it is. the Slavic there's, there's, culture. There's that little at the end of it. Now it's just the, the style of the harmonies. Or also. just the fact that it's a bunch of guys in really deep voices singing together. The range is so pigeonholed into that area. Y- you hear a bunch of guys singing like that, you're gonna think Maybe it's that. Russian. And then again, of course, I know there's plenty of all-male choirs, you know, in, in uh, uh, the American military at all, but it's true. There is some There is some quality there. I don't know if you've ever heard this, because I'm not sure that... When I mentioned that thing about the Russian National Anthem... Again, here's another racy statement, but what people felt in Russia was when they changed their National Anthem from the Soviet National Anthem to the Russian Federation National Anthem, I'm not sure a lot of people liked it, because they, whatever you may feel about communist Russia, they did have a really, really rousing national anthem, the kind of thing that just instilled that patriotism within you, even if it was for causes. It's still about your country, whatever. Um, but the thing is, they wanted to change that anthem, and people just really didn't didn't buy into it. So they they I believe at this uh, at the Olympics they didn't just do their their Russian national anthem, which was uh, sung by a famous opera singer. They also did the old Soviet one. But let's be let's face it, it's more memorable. 
Whatever you feel about it, it is more memorable. You probably don't know the the Soviet national anthem, do you? Yeah, but I'd recognize it. I probably recognize it. I'd recognize it in like if it was played in Hunt for Red October again or something yeah. like that. I'm sure like, if I heard it, I'd it's been in it. enough anti-communist movies and <laughs> TV shows that I would recognize yes, it. Yes, even if we know it from all the from all the uh, the critics. Tom Clancy critique. adaptations. Yeah. There you are. Wow. There's all right. Plenty to critique about Russia, but that's not what we're here about today. Yeah. No. There's also plenty to celebrate about Russia. It's both. Yeah. Yes. Russian a lot of good history. Things. How no, about that? Russian they, history. I agree. I, I'm, I'm speaking strictly from a culture perspective. You know. I get that. I don't want to broach into like modern Russian politics because we could go down a very very slippery slope there. But then again, there's a big movement in Russia that could also break free from this. This does not have to be the 1938 before Nazi Germany. Please, I hope that it is not. Anyway, um, yeah, I I don't know. I, it's just there's something about. All of the stuff leading up to the Olympics that just made me so disinterested and disenfranchised with the actual Olympic Games. And I get that it's still about the competition and all that. And really the goal is that America should just whoop their ass and everything. But Because we're America. Yep. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just with all the, you know, all the politics and stuff, which I don't want to get into. It's just it's this is a very complicated Olympics, Olympics this yeah. year. Yeah. But at yeah, the same time. Uh, there's still a purity to the games, and I wish all of our competitors the best of luck. Yeah. Uh, and just go out there and and just win. And it's, it's it's also not quite the same as like the 1984 Olympics. Like that was the one that we actually boycotted because yeah. back then it was Soviet Russia. At least yeah. now there's like a guise of they could kind of go any direction at this point. We don't really know what Russia's plans for the future are. No, of course they've only come out yeah. very specifically about certain issues, and then everything else is kind of a big dark cloud that we exactly. can't really see through. Well, Russia's always mysterious. There's actually a quote that uh, it's 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 a Russian quote that says you can never fully know Russia. <laughs> wow. I forget who actually said that quote, but I guess probably it's, a Russian. I guess Paul it's Stoy. I guess Paul it's Stoy. better than America, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well. What? It's a lot vaguer. <laughs> Guess that. Anyway, I'm totally freedoming internally right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you freedom all you want internally. Now for something completely different. Let's uh, hit the new album this week. This is John's pick. I, I picked an album for three reasons. I picked it because it was from a band from my younger years, my pre twenties, uh, my late teens, when I really was experimenting, in in different musics outside of my parents the musics <laughs> i chose this album also because it's a new punk album and well frankly i i i still like punk still and trying I, to wash that bitter taste of green day out of your mouth yeah i'm looking for something Aww. new and different and also because well frankly because of the title against me and their newest album released january 21st Transgender dysphoric blues, a uh, dysphoria blues. Yes, and dysphoria is a state of unease, of of a state of unease of generalized dissatisfaction with life. Either way, and transgender dysphoria specifically is when it boils down to in the most layman of terms, gender identity crisis. That's as as definition oriented as you can get and to have a punk album from a band that's been around the block a few times boldly stating something like that i was immediately intrigued how how does this and punk go together 
And well, here's the thing. There is that, a story that goes along with this. Yeah. It's not. It's not exactly like it's a uh, oh, a general call for 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 unity or or a generalized um, uh, dissatisfaction. I suppose it's one person's dissatisfaction, and that is the lead singer because of her personal story. I believe the name is Laura Jane Grace. Yes, and she herself is identifies as transgender. Uh, born male, now identifies as female, uh, that all happened as recently as 2012, really recently. So this band Against Me had already had five albums out, and, and uh, her, Laura Jane, Jane Grace, she was the founder, and she'd always said that in her previous work, the subject of her not quite feeling like she was in the right place was broached. It was It was steeped in metaphor. Yeah, let's be clear that we know that she officially confirmed that she identified as a woman last year or two years ago. She may have broached it in the past and or felt it in the past, but was never very clear about it until 2012. She, well, she said that in her songs prior, it is, she sometimes in certain songs she did say it very, very bluntly. Okay. This is in interviews here, so try to skip over the, the stuff that's common knowledge at this point. It, she did say it bluntly at times, at the t- but other times she also steeped it in metaphor. So it was sort of like if you were looking for it, you might have found it, or you might have just glossed right over it. Right. Right. It's but this here's the thing, transgender dysphoria. It's the title of both album and opening track. So there's not a shred of pretense here, and I did kind of appreciate that. For one thing, this isn't really the time to be having our discussion on metaphor versus on the nose material. She, again, she came out last year, so she's been steeped in metaphor for the last five albums. This album is defined by being on the nose, and I think that's well warranted. Right, well, it's different. On the nose is also very different when you're dealing with a very personal story. When it's a very personal story, there tends to not be a a a metaphor or hiding it. I mean, there can be metaphor, but a lot of it is very much in your face and blunt because it's a personal story. And if you're expressing it, you want it to be out there. You're right. Well, much like our review of Beyonce's self-titled album, uh, that was episode 73. That was also a very personal work. We have to accept this as a kind of diary and take the subject for what it is. And then the music for what it is. Right. Uh, in fact, though, she also stated in the same interview, she, that she believes the subject really isn't what matters, the, the subject of the transgender euphoria. It's really all about the product and the art that matters. So in short, she's saying, it's who I am, but it's not all I am. Up front, I really do respect that comment for the humility, for the selflessness, in spite of the magnitude of what she went through. But, you know, it, it does also say, all right, please treat the art for the art, and that's, that is what we intend to do here. Well, yeah, that's what we typically do. But that, I mean... That's that that means a lot coming from her, considering everything she's been through. That she would state it so frankly. It is, yeah. This that's that's selfless. Um, she also stated in the same interview that she doesn't believe in rehashing. That she has no intentions of making this a recurring theme. This is her coming out album because this is what's on her mind right now. This is what's relevant, and then she's and that mo- will be that. And then she'll move on to doing what they do best, which is making more music about in this punk tone. Yeah. So. I had some general observations here that occurred in the first rounds of listening. I guess we'll start with the the first track here, Transgender Dysphoria Blues. I'm going to try to state the negatives before I get into the positives of this 
first track, because this is sort of a mixed album in terms of my feelings. It's not really my taste musically, um, for certain reasons here. I think one of the biggest reasons... It's because we all know Steve hates punk. No. Oh, that is not true. No, no. But this, the one of the reasons is because of what punk does with the guitar, and that it uses a basic three-chord progression. And it's not this, just that though. I mean, this and, one and it this, steps out of that too. It really does. But this the the the, the three chord progression of the guitar is just so overpowering, coupled with that very very quick repetitive beat work. Uh, this is when I start re- started realizing I need a little bit more from my punk nowadays. I I needed a little more intrigue, a little more uh, uh, veil. I needed a little more mystique to the actual instrumentation. Yep. Because this was oh. where you you just have to realize you're going to get a lot of repeating guitar riffs, repeating bass, repeating drums, because it's punk. Yeah, well, let me go through them. These were my observations. It was, yeah, it's not just the three chord, I mean, there's all the little things here, and it's not all, she's not always, you know, harping on three chords. She really does step out of it several times. It's just... The way it's stated can be very, very redundant at times. Um, but I do have some positive about the first song, and I will get to that. But, again, I'll spin the negatives into the positive. It unfortunately... The whole the whole album sort of threw me back to that old problem of familiarity, which we've had with many albums since. We even had it as recently as, as Asmi Tantes a little bit to some degree. I had it with Eve 6 going back. We've had it with several albums, just when you're so familiar with the genre, and you just kind of want it to change up. But it's, it's my familiarity in this case with the whole premise of punk, which unless you really experiment with its split ends, you're left with the staples of the last 30 years. Staples, that word, it could mean essentials to some people, or it could mean tropes to others. Uh, but amongst them, there's the mosh pit uh, style drum playing. The guitars that are just littered with eighth notes, as I said, and really, really heavy on the distortion. And then the nearly screaming vocals with a sort of guttural vibrato. But that said, here comes the positives. I have heard enough punk to know that she, Laura Jane Grace, is kind of owning this genre in a certain way, in, in certain aspects. I can hear it in her singing and her, in her melodies that this is not necessarily emulation. She's going with the medium she knows best. And subject matter non- notwithstanding, this is a very personal, heartfelt work. There's a sort of effortlessness here, and I think it's a little more musical. There's a little more musicality in the voice. And that's to say musicality versus attitude, because, again, you can kind of go both ways with punk, and usually it ends up more on the attitude than the musicality. Well, I mean, with this song, I mean, and going back to what John was saying a little bit, uh, with punk, speaking to punk in general, I find that more of the punk... M- bands I listen to now are ones that embrace that they're pop punk and don't stick to just a punk sound. An example is Patent Pending, a band who tends to genre jump. They're mostly pop punk like Bowling for Soup, but they also genre jump and do doo-wop sounding kind of songs and some more rock and roll kind of sounding songs to kind of change it up because I think they get that yes, if we just played straight punk, it would get boring. So here's some other stuff too. Um, uh, as recent, actually, uh, there was an album I was almost going to choose for next week's, but it's not the one that I chose. But uh, Steve, Stephen Malkmus, um, who started out as as sort of a punk rocker, he actually is credited with starting off the alternative movement. He's mm-hmm. very important in that in that particular field. So he's he's the iconic breakaway. Yeah. And if you listen to his music, yeah, there's total creativity there with um what he does with right. the punk genre. 
Um, so, I mean, getting very specifically into the title track, the first track. Yeah. Um, so here's my thing with this album, and it's going to be a general statement about most of the album. <laughs> like See, Everyone's going into general statements well, here. Well, we should because, the track first. Well, because honestly, a lot of, I'm going to be repeating myself through most of this record, and, and I'm not going to have a lot to say that's very different on a track-to-track basis. That yeah, said... I have certain things to say about... That there's, said... There's variation here. Some, but not a lot. That said... This track starts off kind of very generic, but in the in the instrumentation. However, in the inflection and in the lyrics, especially the lyrics of this song, it's very clear a song singing about suffering and being looked down on and treated differently because you're different. And it comes very clearly through the lyrics. Um, I connected with them even though the the music didn't really pull me in that much. I got enough from the way she sings and what she was singing to really get a sense of the fact that she had gone through hell in these moments she's singing about. And I'm gonna... I have to agree and disagree with that statement. Lyrically, I, I wasn't really on board with this song until we discussed it. And then I did see see some glimpses of some really pretty work in the words themselves. With lines like, you want them to notice the ragged ends of your summer dress. You want to, them to see you like they see every other girl. Yes, there is some imagery there that, that does have some emotional connotation. But I will argue the point of the vocals. Here, I really felt that there wasn't an act... The, the inflection of the vocals was not promoting this emotional feeling in this song. It was, if anything, droning and really connecting too much with the steady kind of mainstream punk sound that the instruments were doing. And it was because of that I really could not get on board with this song. Now, interestingly, that's where I'm going to disagree very, very strongly with uh, regards to this particular song. Because that's the thing. We've been making this blanket statement here that, yes, this... this in, in general, we're kind of giving away that this album sort of blended together for us in terms of the punk field. But this as an opening track really, really had me... I, I, w- I was actually rather drawn in emotionally. And I felt like that vocal inflection, exactly the kind of thing that you're saying is just sort of... You're throwing in there with, you know, typical punk inflections. And yes, perhaps, perhaps it is a typical and punk inflection. It did not hurt the song in any way to me because of what she was singing and, and how she was singing it. Uh, apart from the line you just mentioned, actually including the line you just mentioned, you want them to notice the ragged ends of your summer dress. Just that idea right there. That you, you Painting the imagery of the woman right there. Well, and take you that, feel that. And take that se- sentence also as it is, like, why would the dress be ragged? Because of rough and hard times, not being treated right. Yeah, this... this being forcefully abused, it's very It's very careful choice of words. Yeah. Um... And then, of course, the song really takes a very on the... As we said, this does get very on the nose. Um, namely, with the line, they just see a faggot. That's the thing. That's, that's, in essence, what she went through. So, and, and you know, the, especially Not the just... chord... Even, I will even cite music here. The chord chains, particularly on that line, was rather longing, I felt. Even following uh, the, prov- uh, the following line here, uh, they'll hold their breath not to catch the sick. That is that it's that was almost revolting to listen to, yeah. and revolting in a way that I really really felt, uh, yeah. for the plight. But for me, from a poetic standpoint, yes. From a vocal standpoint, I just could not connect with it. I just I could not 
really get deep into that. This that, is so that combination. bizarre for me, considering that I felt what you felt on many other tracks on this album, and I simply did not feel that in this first one. I was very, very drawn into this. I'm with Steve on this. I was very drawn in as well. I was actually kind of fascinated with, with her vocals in a way that she was sort of outdoing Billy Joe Armstrong, beating him at his own game. That sort of guttural vibrato. In a way that, you know, that, that's another interesting point. It, it counters what I said earlier here, that there's a... Um, that there's a vibrato style that, yes, it is common to punk, and yet I feel like she was just going for it. She was hitting these notes effortlessly, yeah. especially in this first track. This song, to me, felt very personal, and I agree with Steve. I think that it came through in how she sang it and what she was singing very clearly. You know, while the musicality was kind of forgettable in parts, the, the changes in notes during those specific lines was very apparent. It, make, it makes me really wish I had presented this all uh, in the reverse, that I had stated the positives before the negatives, yeah. because I guess I, I, I understated it when I said that my first reactions were all that punk stuff. Maybe it was maybe it was more of in a general sense, but this song really, really grew on me. No, yeah. I mean, of, of the, the songs on the record, this is definitely up there, and I thought a very strong introduction to the record. I mean, typically... Title tracks can be very cheesy, especially if you you know you have a an album with a specific title and you have the title track in the middle of the album. It's kind of a throwaway or just something. To, oh, here's the what's the the album's about. But this very much does. It's like I said to start out with transgender dysphoria blues. It's the title, both the album and the opening track. There's there's complete bluntness here. In yeah, terms of this is it. what this is about. Strap yeah. in, you're going on a ride. And that's exactly. and that's what this song really does the, say. This is, and this yeah, the song is a stage setter. I think actually it summed up the plight rather well in this song. Yeah. So much that when you get each and every other snapshots later on, they almost fall short because this song covered it, it so well. Yeah, so, it just seems like repeated themes at this point to redundancy yeah. later on. That uh, there's more depth later on. This is a. It's no, it's only more precise later on. Yeah. This, this is, one, this is her style. I think this was an artful um, summation. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Uh, I only have a couple other things to say about this song because also from musical standpoint, this this really got to me even more than many other tracks in this album. Uh, one was that rather rapid fire way that she sung the chorus that. Washed off on the coast, I wish I could have spent the whole day alone with you. And she goes really, really fast on that line, which is what, it actually got me. Me, someone who's not really that into punk on a regular basis. This got me back into that, I'm, I'm in CBGB's, I'm kind of in a mosh pit. I felt the energy in that particular line. So, there's a juxtaposition here in this song. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of longing, it's a lot of kind of diary type work at the same time it has that pep i wish i could have spent the whole day alone with you where you sort of feel the whole the love factor within this the uh the person behind the behind the problem yes yeah. well let's move on track two true trans soul rebel true trans was in my opinion f superior in every way to the opening track. I connected a lot more emotionally. I enjoyed the lyrics even more so, which reading the lyrics of track one was enjoyable. Experiencing them in, in True Trans was much more enjoyable. The vocals, I felt, were more impactful 
and I liked the actual music a lot more. This to me was a a great first major step after that introduction. It had it, it at points it had really riveting lines, very visceral lines that I just this is this was the reason why I liked punk back in the nineties. This is why I liked punk at the turn of the century. Uh, lines like follow it through to the obvious end See your veins wide open. You bleed it out. Well, there's nothing I in this album I find to be more impactful than than some of the lines. Well, you gotta that get the, in here. you gotta get the context in here. Um, this is, in many ways, this is almost a, it, it's it's expanding the story just a little bit. And yes, it is getting a little bit more specific. For instance, uh, this is, I think I think this line covers it a little bit better. Yet to be born. You were already dead. Yet to be born, not yet born, as in this is the transition period. If, if, if womanhood is in your future, then yes, you're not quite born yet. And actually, from what I read in, in interviews here also, she's still kind of in that transition period. I don't, I'm not sure if the surgery has taken yet. I'm not 100% certain on those details, but this is, this is the midst of the transition. So, yeah, I can I kind of understand it in that respect. But there's a little bit more... Uh, depression within this. There's more of the, more of the fear factor. The yet to be born, you are already dead. Sleep with a gun beside your bed. Follow it through to the obvious end. That's where that line, John, that you quoted, really, really gets its power from. Because the obvious end here probably is suicide. Because that's the, the it could, that's the depressing alternative. I mean, right. if you cannot it's... live in the situation you were given, or if you can't transform it in some positive way. That that would seem to be alternative, but that's sort of sort of depressing. It's very depressing and very dark. You bleed it out. I can't take this in any other way than that. Yeah. But it's it's symbolic of that that suicide of killing the old persona to become who you truly mean to be. Uh, it, it's got that double meaning to it that I just I just thoroughly enjoy. It, with the the later verses, you should have been a mother. You should have been a wife. You should have been gone from here years ago. You should be living a different life. This is that reflection of, I I felt this way for a long time. I should have been taking these steps earlier. I, I it's that, it's, it's yeah, got well, that, it's lines that like pain that. of regret, but with that, that stepping forward in the courses of, does God bless your transsexual heart, true trans soul rebel? Well, it was lines like the ones you read before um, that make it sound like, okay, this is still in the midst. Because I had previously interpreted this song differently. I wanted to say that this wasn't necessarily about uh, contemplation of suicide. I wanted to say that it was more about the operation, that this was the, the you know, follow it through to the obvious end. Well, the obvious end, especially in her case, at least what turned out in real life, is to go through with the transformation. That's a much more positive view than, of course, suicide. Um, but unfortunately, this is still early in the album, and I think this is still trying to explore the uh, the midst of, of the uh, of the issue. And in hey, that, but... I will say that it was specifically designed to be both, yeah. to be that that double entendre of the darkness and the hope at the same time. 
But you know, here's the thing. If we take this straightly from lyrics, uh, then yeah, you could get some great poetry out of this. My problem was that this is where the, it started to take a little bit of a turn down uh, musically. And this is what I wanted to speak to, is that this is a common problem that already presents itself in the second track for me and follows through in a lot of the record. Very much the writing and the arc and the emotion is very much there. There's a connection and there's something to identify with. Musically, however, I'm already bored and it's only the second track. I just, there wasn't enough for me in this track. If it weren't for the lyrics, I might not have made it through the whole The most track. impressive parts in this track were the drums uh, later in the bridge. The bridge was, was rather interesting, but the, again, it's fleeting. Because this is, the in terms of form here, this is just your classic punk form. Yeah. Uh, verse core intro verse chorus verse chorus bridge you know chorus pretty and, blunt and also i like and i don't know if this is a positive or negative yet although i'm leaning towards a positive maybe just because i didn't get to stagnate is most of these tracks are between two and three minutes there's a couple that are even yeah. under two minutes the whole album is 28 minutes it's, it's 10 tracks it's short and fast and it's classically uh, punk but my problem is, so it is yeah it is blunt the, in that regard the, too my problem is though in moments where you feel like there should be more there's not enough and there's not a lot of those moments most of the moments are it's short, but you still don't really get anywhere even in that short amount of time. You just kind of feel like it's still repetitive and it's not going anywhere. Well, yeah, I see I see your I see your deliberation though there between being a positive and a negative because on one standpoint, it goes back to her quote from earlier. If this is not something she necessarily wants to, you know, dwell on for a long period of time, then this is kind of a one-shot. The whole album is just a one-shot of just all right, the, these are my blues concerning this this transgender transgender experience. Uh, then, then that's it. So, kind of trying to shuffle it out there really, really quick. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is me venting. You know, not trying to be a, uh, a, a, a I don't know what you would call it. The, the kind of, any, any artist who I guess would really be, be overtly gushy. Yeah. About, about a certain topic to the point of nauseam. I don't necessarily feel this. No. That's not what I feel in this not. at all. Um, so yeah, the problem, it's really a shame that I guess the music didn't, didn't, hold up so well because if it had then then this could have been a very punchy edgy album yeah um especially even from a diary let's perspective. let's plunge back into more specifics with the uh, songs and move on to track three unconditional love so this song i mean was even more problematic for me because not only was the music very repetitive to me but so were the lyrics in this one it tried to be an anthem Steve pointed this out to me, and I think this is why I felt it was so repetitive. I tried to be that Hey Judy and kind of gather around, sing along anthem, unconditional love, but it just wasn't reaching it. It just, it, emotionally, it didn't get there. Inflection wasn't there. It just fell short in a lot of ways. It just, it didn't pull me in at all, and I very much felt like it falls short in a lot of ways and just was a continued. to continue to perpetuate this downward spiral where the record is headed The towards. anthem specifically was, even if your love was unconditional, you know, and it kind of gets sung over and over and over, then finally it still wouldn't be enough to save me. I see where they're going here. I, I, I really do. Um, but, because I, I think that has to do with really a, a, the song to, to um, the wife. Of course, when you yeah. go through that experience, how can you possibly uh, continue in... It's not going to be an ideal relationship. There's going to be some some issues to grapple with on both sides of the table. It's right. not especially going to be the if, same as it was before. Especially if, Even the, if the other person doesn't is... seem it coming. Yeah. Exactly. So And the the reason I think it didn't quite work uh, musically was because it had 
what I call the the punk idea of restarting the song. The the music itself, and this is something that's kind of common in a, in a lot of uh, punk and a uh, little bit of indie. It restarts. It feels like it's maybe a beat or two too short to to culminate in each of the actual sections of the verses of the choruses. It feels like there's something just missing with it. Well, this is coupled with the non-sequester style of line work where it's more statements that are being sung out as opposed to a flowing piece. Well, that that is something I never really enjoyed because it just it's very halting. And because no, of I that actually halting rebuilding, I just can't quite get into it. I do actually experience that. More I think about that, I I do experience that in in the in the lyrics, especially the verses, because there's a lot of there's a lot of written material here that seems like it is trying to be crammed in, which might might account for that sort of halty style. Just it's take like, take it, the amount of lyrics here, which which in themselves I actually found rather of uh, rather inventive, uh, very poetic. My but... my sycophant love song, my authentic desperation. I'm addicted to the feeling, the only kind of steady I believe in. Prison cell exercises, solitary sport entertainment. What makes you think you're gonna die any different? That it's powerful. I just wish it wasn't. It it it's, works. It's in an beat, anthem. It doesn't. It's it beat doesn't, poetry. Doesn't fit. That's the whole thing. It's beat poetry styles. Yeah. And this is something that that grew up around punk and vice versa. It's something that has been used a lot, and it does not work in an anthem idea. That's that's the big issue here. It's not quite flowing enough to, to rally behind. This strikes me yes, as a this... situation where they were both written separately, or like not integrated music and lyrics. Now, well, usually, like, yes, the ly- like the lyrics came first, and then they tried to write a, a, a song, song to it. go around it. Yeah. And frankly, that's how I feel in a lot of these tracks. It was less apparent, though, in the a first two. In the first two, there felt like there was a lot of integration. Yeah. Uh, the first, I already gushed about. The second track, I still found a pop element there that was at least, you know, it was enjoyable. But this was kind of... A lot eh, of the subsequent tracks forced. feel very dis- disconnected. Disconnected and, and forced. And speaking of disconnected and forced, track four really feels disjointed and abrasive, though well, seemingly different problems with that. Se- seemingly intentional. So the, the fourth track is called Drinking with the Jocks. It's only a minute and 49 seconds long. And this song, from the moment it starts, is abrasive, aggressive, but considering, you know why. But considering the content of the lyrics, I call it, and I've lovingly called it since we reviewed this album the paper chase conundrum my problem with this song and the reason i call it the paper chase conundrum is the song rubs me completely the wrong way i don't like it i don't like the song at all up front however that's the point when singing as someone who's been bullied by this group of people but yet you still desperately seek their approval in moments it's a very abrasive and aggressive environment, and I think that's what they're because going... Because it's an uncomfortable atmosphere. Right, and so I think that's what they're going for on purpose. Yeah, this is one of the more cunning ideas that they used on this album. The The concept of uh, speaking before her transformation, of trying to fit in with the jocks, the stereotypes of what's going on here, the, the idea of being a womanizer, of being a douche... 
<laughs> and how there's a lot of lyrics here we won't go into detail but it's very the, graphic and it, it basically outlines what a douche is you know there's a lot of machismo surrounding this whole entire thing to the level of obnoxiousness severe obnoxiousness and it's coupled with that uh, uh, almost screamo style of music very fast paced even for punk very yeah, the lyrics very are screamed abrasively does get close to screamo doesn't it i mean well granted i'm sure the screamo are people who would be like oh come on this is tame tame but you know maybe in context of the album here i do understand i understand its place um because everything serves as 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 again that one shot that that exploration of a different facet of of her experience and drinking with the jocks i'm sure there was a lot of in fact i'm even gonna go back to that interview again which is invaluable information regarding the story uh um well not a story regarding the the real life events that occurred here and that was the fact that there's a lot of machismo surrounding the music industry that she was in in a lot of situations where your 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 picture is taken and then you're expected to 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 hold up in some way against the picture on the next page you know of the yeah. next band with their their image they're always a lot of machismo surrounding punk music it's very common so that just wasn't her and and this basically explains that and yet it, it does explain how she tried i mean i she would did try i would put the song at a step above the last just because at least it accomplishes something the last track really didn't accomplish anything whereas this one it's going for abrasive and uncomfortable and it hits it hands it, down do you know it what even, this is though I, I really have to say this because this is one week right after the other here going back just last week to our lonely island review mm-hmm. do you recall the spring break anthem of right course. of course it, it's almost the same track almost right. in it, almost case, in the same kind of satire too very similarly yeah. you're, you're you're just talking about this drinking with drinking with the uh the jocks very heavily testosterone uh environment and it's just it it's making fun of it in a way all these really perverted lines just tear it apart but at the same time i feel a lot more pain being imbued in these lyrics oh yeah because of the way the music matches up to it right it really is a, a a very nice artistic piece for the album at the same time as music, I don't really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's consensus. got to be said. The piece itself is smart, but it's not something I want to listen to. I realize at the end of the day, though, I think I am going to give this a little, uh, the, the check mark just because of its function on the album. It, yes. does, it does give variety here, if nothing else. And that's... Especially like the dissonance that was on, on, um, on the final chord right before the right. verse. It really sounds manic at that point. Like, she's in the wrong place. She does not belong with this crowd. She really wishes she could be elsewhere. And that's why I compared it to the paper chase. It very much reminded me of that kind of... Um, that's way too... Disconcerning. Like, uh, put down the knife kind of a situation. Yeah. Yeah, but I will say I felt something. I'm, 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 at the end of the day, I did feel oh, something. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's that very... Is, yeah. That's well, important. It is important. Now we'll move on to track five, and I kid you not, this is the actual title on the record, Osama Bin Laden as the Crucified Christ. All right. I know it's really obvious to attack this song on really obvious grounds, and you know what? Obviousness does not negate validity, so I'm going to attack this song on exactly those grounds, but that won't be the end of the discussion. So first the title itself and the subject of comparison. 
Comparing Osama bin Laden to the crucified Christ seems like a really bizarre turn for this album. It just where, doesn't where, make any sense. It's out of left field. It seems, yeah, it does seem out of left field. So just to get some context, the, the lyrics don't really, don't seem to provide any more of a clue. You're going to hang like Benito, of course Benito Mussolini, from the S.O. rafters, hang like Clara with her skull caved in. I believe Clara was his girlfriend. Um, hang like a cross around my neck, you're gonna hang, you're gonna hang. We get a little bit more clearer later on. What's the best that you can hope for? Pity fucks and table scraps, subterfuge and detachment, a bullet in the head and a bullet in the chest. And that's where the message actually becomes clear for this song. A little bit. A little bit, where it's, it, this is kind of like hate spew at Osama Bin Laden. Sort yeah. of, I sort of. It's oh, well. still, it's still a little opaque. the The chorus, which actually the whole song actually begins with the chorus and goes into the verses, the chorus is still a little bit more unclear unless you actually start looking stuff up. But at the same time, is Osama bin Laden supposed to be a metaphor for something else? I, I think, think it's, that's a possibility. I think it's, yeah. And this is the thing. I well, it's 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 metaphor on top of metaphor on top of metaphor. I think and you bring in two opposing figures, right? Both of them were killed for what they did. Completely different things here, because of course, even you know, even if you're not a religious person, most people tend to accept out there that Jesus Christ was a man and he did fairly good things. That's an odd thing to compare to Osama bin Laden, who generally no one agrees did new thing, uh, good things. So. It's almost, okay, there's, okay, this is out of left field, but it's the idea of a person talking to herself, how she she feels as if she should be regarded as someone who has been sent through pain, That's the thing. but instead is being a hated, vilified individual because of what's going on. That's where I was going with there it. There is that imagery there if you delve really deep, but it's really clouded in these metaphors. Well, it's not... Yeah, It's, it's not, really clouded, it's clouded in its clouded. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what it is, because that would just seem too bizarre for this album to, to still, bring in political like ideology. Spend, but up until this point, she spends so much time at face value, just here's my story, and then yeah. dive us into this metaphor that first of all the title angers me so much because it's just so it's just so it, it is inflammatory it's in, inflammatory in, and in it's every like, sense of the word and yeah shock value for shock value's sake i can get that but it didn't belong on this record because at least up to this point even the songs i didn't like at all were that, punk well they um, were but punk. beyond that not even musically at least story-wise were very face value here's my plight this is my suffering what i'm going through here's what i'm telling you about it this song just didn't fit that mold. And also, this is where the humility kind of uh, completely left. Again, yeah. with all the quotes that I gave in the interview here, they had a very humble premise here, and then all of a sudden there's the audacity to compare your plight to that of, of, of those two figures. That is so extreme. So, so extreme. extreme. And I understand what she's getting at. Yes. Of course, in the way, yes, vilified. Because both were vilified in their own respective way. But, jeez... I mean, that's, just, that's it's, far. That's this is, far. It's a level of almost grandiose self-pity. Yeah. That's just a little ridiculous, and that that's not my least favorite part of this song. My least favorite part of this song is that it really does sound more metal than punk. It, it, musically, <laughs> that's your least. it is the, probably the most interesting song musically, it doesn't really connect to any of the other music on the album. 
in the macro scheme of things. It's it it's does, divorced that way, which it just seems. But I have a, I have a sidebar there though. Granted, it doesn't seem to connect musically, but I kind of hate. I really, really hate that this is probably the catchiest song in the album from a rock perspective. Yeah. From a rock perspective, this really like. I wish I just didn't have these lyrics here because they take away my enjoyment of it. It actually has a fairly yeah, mu- good baseline, like kind of an awesome baseline in a punk kind of way. Not like you know groundbreaking or anything, but it's really got a grit to it that would would serve so well this song would have served yeah i was gonna say without the lyrics of the title the song would have served very differently but it just knocks it just rattles the whole album as you're falling down this rabbit hole yeah it really does disjoin it and then i mean track six doesn't really do much better ah no well i want to interject here though first um about this track that you know there is sort of a uh what are the five stages of 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 um of grief of, of grief yeah the whole denial and everything i yeah. feel like this is more of that anger stepping in here at least if you are going to go down that okay, self-pity route see that, yeah so yeah i want to give this a little bit of credit in that regard but, but track six one word fuck my life six 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 i think is actually oh almost dear. as impactful for me as track two true trends mm. this one yeah. <laughs> this like one, Stevens this one is almost on as one. good lyrically as the earlier part of as the really early songs on this album. Uh, though this this uh, it does have a lot more problems with the repetitive music. So this that's song, kind of the main problem, though. Yeah, so this song the music is very repetitive, but also for me, as the title indicates, it's almost childish in its construction. It just you know it feels very you know. F- very angsty teen and and yes of course green day immediately came to yeah. vibe here old green day it is but i don't know like the intro That's was not kind a positive thing the about. intro was kind of nice but it's so short-lived and fleeting and then it just you dive into this That's dated it set, sound it set this sort of looping guitar type thing but then it and it was very nice at the intro yeah. as when it was solo and then when the other instruments came in the guitar sort of persisted and it had kind of it had lost its its um it wasn't unique anymore it exactly. just became repetitive and part of the mess but exactly it it really does put some great sim, uh, symbolism in this album with chipped nailed polish and a barbed wire dress is your mother proud of your eyelashes, silicon chest, and collagen lips? How do you even recognize me? This is almost not enough for me. I mean, no I... Mo- no more troubled sleep. There's a brave new world that's raging inside of me. I just... That, that, that promotion of this new self-identity that's emerging here. This... But... This... But you know what that is, though? This goes to... back to what I said in the first track. That almost strikes me as a rehash. I feel yeah. like we have gotten this out of the first two tracks, and I we got them fairly well. Of, I did not get it out of the first track. I'm still refuting that. But this, this, I, I think, is a high point in the latter part, uh, part of the album. Yeah, but that's not something to refute. You're refuting not not getting the same emotional connection as the this first one, track. This one but that's a... not what me and Steve are saying. Me and Steve are saying that the the theme of this track the message of this track was already stated twice in the beginning of the album it's not a new thing just this new life and moving forward and dealing with problems that came up already yeah it's more of a general uh, issue because yes i see your point john that maybe the specific things here that have not been touched this is more about the exploration of the post uh the the post operation 
world. No, this one's more of an silicone chest, collagen lips. How would you even? But recognize this is about me? the personal interactions of people you knew adapting to your new identity, of interacting with your new identity. This is about what happens in in the post op of them now trying to see you as a new person. Well, there's a split there with the title. I mean, fuck my life, six six six. Six. That sounds like you're in the midst of, of... an angsty teenage blog. <laughs> that sounds, there, no, it sounds kind. like the title of a hymn song is what it sounds like. It does, kind of. But there, there is a celebration here, it seems, almost. The ease of your pose, the grace of your silhouette, the way that your shoulders meet your slender neck. There's a celebration there of It just supports my the... dated and disconnected feel to this track. It sounds like we're going three different routes with this. Problem is, is I think it just lacked a unified... Um, in, in, in a Well, in a bit massive umbrella kind of way. It has the unified idea that has already been presented. Transgender uh, dysphoria yeah, but blues. Like, it's we the get, title. But, but that's there. Like that, yeah. Pointing to that is pointing to the obvious. Yeah. Pointing to the sun in the sky. You know, it's just we know that's there. Give us something else on top of it. Give us a layer or depth. And yeah, that's I, I, not I, here. I, I do feel almost like I'm being picky when I'm talking about a 28-minute, you said, album. Like, I'm being picky, like I'm saying, well, that's too long, that's too much about this. I'm, I don't want to demean the, the subject matter, because, again, it, it happened, not. it happened, and this, this, this is important. It's not so much that, it's more about the, the arc of this album seems to, to suffer in that regard. And it's, it's really, I think it comes down to the it's music. It's getting confusing and cluttered at this point. Like, confusing and repetitive, not necessarily cluttered, but confusing and repetitive. You can almost gauge clutter within the repetition. That's right. the problem. And then, I mean, also... and I, Re- I Repetitiveness clouds structure. That's yes. really the problem. And the structure is starting to fall apart the more we go through this album because the next track also doesn't apply to the theme that's set in place already. It's got oh, it's a touchable connection, of, but because of the content, thin. it does... Yeah. It's very thin. The dead next friend. Track seven, seven dead, dead Friends. I believe it's plural. Friend. Oh, it is friend. Okay, dead friend, is is just this kind of song. So the song is clearly about someone who is important to the, to the lead singer that she had lost. Um, I think we had read somewhere online that it might have been a guitar tech or something. It was it clearly, was uh, it was part of the crew that was touring with them. But but this song is now an homage to someone lost. And while there's nothing wrong with that, and I'm not saying that in and of itself is problematic, my problem here is now at track seven, getting close to the end on a very short record, you're taking this time to sing an homage to someone you lost. I get that, but if you're trying to create this arc of this, this album, this f- falls very thinly outside of it. And that's, that's something... It, because we actually had to look up and see who the person mentioned, John Paul Allison, is, I I saw before like looking it up and and finding out this information, as sort of a dirge to the person who you used to be, the person she used to be being gone for Calling good now. Calling this a dirge though is so it's, well, over dirge, the top. Dirge dirge as in a song to the dead. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But the music should make you feel that. Th- that's the thing. If I were to define this music, I'd have to define it the same exact way that I that I defined "fuck my life" six six six. What does that say? I'm talking about two opposing titles like that with two opposing ideas in many in in a sense. And the music just oh, it's so it's the same. It's just at this point, it's not. My biggest problem with this song also is we get a better sense of it in the next song, although it's about a, a just as morbid topic. But we're not even up to that yet. But this song. 
is not heartfelt. It feels almost soulless. You know, I get that it's an homage to a dead friend, but you'd think you'd feel something with an Depression. homage to a dead friend. And it were, but first of all, we're not implying that, of course, the, that that the um, that the lead singer does not feel anything. I'm sure. It's no, right. of course but it's, not. It's, but the, that's not the, what the I said. Cho- you know, I know, I know. That's the thing. The choice of medium here really is is problematic. It's I almost want to say, short. and this is going to come uh, become relevant in the very next track, Two Coffins, that something similar should have been done here as in there. Because Two Coffins is one of the only places on this album where we really, really do pull away from the genre present. We get something that's not really punk, necessarily. We get something completely different. Instead, it's, it's purely acoustic. It's... Uh, we have a slight ambient uh, or, or a really heavy reverb on on the guitar and uh, a slight ambient drone in the background. Well, this, I, so, you compared this almost to the Decemberists. Well, I said, well, it's funny. The, the way I made that connection is kind of roundabout. But so Two Coffins is very pretty and heartfelt. It sounds almost Celtish. And the way I made that connection was, obviously, we've mentioned the Wasties before. Um, they play Celt-ish music and they Celtify popular songs unless they already have that kind of a sound and the decemberists are a band they cover they have two or three songs in the repertoire that they cover by the decemberists and they all inherently sound kind of celtish and old-fashioned some of their songs not all of them and this song very much reminded me of their less complicated kind of celtish songs that they do well that's the thing i mean this is an odd tangent but yes i think the decemberists actually are in my opinion they're a band known for really exploring what i call the split end the the a, a a facet of an existing genre and yeah. then really making something new out of that. Yeah. That's what I feel like they've done. Um, and that's almost the direction that this band seemed to be going with Two Coffins. And just to relate this, to really close off uh, the track Dead Friend, again, R.I.P., rest in peace is all I can really say to that, but in terms of, of delivery and place on this album, it really could have used more of the slow juxtaposition and tastefulness that Two Coffins had, at least in vibe. Right, and that said, though, Two Coffins, though it had the vibe that Dead Friend should have had, what's really scary, though, is that... Not scary, but no, depressing. It's, it's a little scary. It's a little scary and depressing, is that so Two Coffins is supposedly about her daughter. And the idea that there's, she's, that she's singing about... She's singing about these two coffins for the two of them, and that this is the road they could be headed down. It's just... It's horrifying. Well, I see kind of what's going on within this, but yes, on, on on at face value, this is really really bleak for for a father to daughter song. Um, but the thing is, perhaps it's the father that he cannot be from now on. Right, because he is a she. Now. Exactly. Now that has to kind of be said. Um, but then, but, yeah, but still, two, two coffins, coffins for sleep. Yeah, I know, two <laughs> coffins for sleep. One for you and one for me. We'll it's... get there eventually. Uh, it's tricky. We'll get there eventually. It does seem to imply that that's death right there. We'll get there eventually, which is really bleak. But it could also be we'll get there event. We'll get over this hump eventually. The hump of this transition that almost fundamentally changes our relationship. Um, we'll which get is over really, that eventually. Really weird. It's weird, but you know I, under- the I understand the problem. That's got to be really difficult to deal with. I can't even imagine how you well, deal with something Well, I mean, like I mean it's well, a great, it, it can it's... be and it can't be. I mean, the idea that it's difficult, yes, of course. Yeah. If, for argument's sake, and I'm not trying to make light of this, if Steve Tamar decided that he identified as a woman and showed up here <laughs> as Stephanie and wanted to be Stephanie from now going forward, it would be 
tricky. Fair enough, but, but that wouldn't be that difficult, really. Within but, the confines but, of this podcast, let's face it, I could probably just, con- we could continue talking well, the also, way we've been talking. Well, also my really point would be, be is with deal. someone who I care about and who I love, if, if you were to do oh. something like that tomorrow, it would be awkward, but I would move through it because well, I care is, about you. We're three dudes doing a podcast. Like, that wouldn't, th- there's no role that we necessarily have to play at the moment, aside from talking about music. Where that does become relevant is in roles that are sort of defined by gender. Father masculine, you know, daughter of feminine, like, there's a lot of yes, trade-off but all, but also fathers don't have to be masculine and daughters don't have to be effeminate. It's true, but you, in a sense, you are fighting the norm. Right, well, but also, yes, but then that leads to the fact that should it really be the norm that all men have to be masculine, all women have to be feminine? That's a whole... Yeah, but this is not a matter of shoulds, this is a matter of what, what? is, what is, what is prevalent current? in, in the world. So... This is a very interesting discussion about gender roles in our society. Well, yeah, yeah which, and, and... You know what? No. I'm, no, no. This I'm is, giving more props to the song just for causing this sort of a discussion. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, granted, I, I'm just theorizing based on that song. I mean, but the reality I was trying, alone. But the reality I was trying to point out why I mentioned the idea of you switching genders after knowing you for so long is the idea that you, depending on the age of the daughter and how close they are, in theory, you would think if someone loves you very much and they are open-minded and old enough to understand what's happening, that it wouldn't be that big of a hump to get over. So this no, le- and, and in fact, in uh, uh, and yeah, this this raises a lot more questions. Yes, it raises questions, and that's if that's its goal, then then kudos. But yeah, that goes back. to, I mean, again, really, really helpful that I read this interview because it, 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 he was asked, she was asked point blank, um, why, what, how is your relationship with your daughter, and. Very simply, the answer was, she's great. She's the light of my life. That wouldn't imply a lot of problems, would it? Yeah. Granted, there was very little elaboration there. Well, um, I, I'm and she said, almost... she's the light of my life. We don't know the daughter's perspective either. Well, I, I think and... the daughter's young. I'm not entirely sure of that. Again, this is, this is total speculation here. And I'm even speculating this just based on that one line. When you look at other lines, you have to almost go back to the uh to our face value approach which was um which was death and all the things i have yet to lose will someday be gone too well then again that line does seem to imply the the gender transformation here yeah but then all things will fade maybe it's better off that way i wish you'd stayed with me yeah oh right i'm sticking Uh, i'm sticking with the with the alternate here i came up this is not face value this this no i i got something Congratulations! No, no, no! Uh, it's it's another metaphor for out of left field. Uh, first coffin is father's transformation into mother. Second coffin is daughter's transformation into adulthood, which has been alluded in plenty of forms of art as a sort of mini death, as a as death a huge, and rebirth. A death no, and I rebirth, buy all of that. Yeah. Which, yeah. in that sense, uh, yeah. Some of these lines are actually making a little more sense with in the dark of our graves our bodies will decay. I wish you'd never change. That that makes a little more sense in that context. I guess. It's sort of like we all have to change. I wish we could stay this way. We're both moving on and it's a death and rebirth. Sure, we but all go through transformations. Granted, mine may just be a little, a little off. <laughs> well, yeah. did, did check a little girl into a young, a young woman, and that's a huge transformation in and of, of itself. Of course, it is. So, yeah, but uh, it's 
it's got that kind of idea. It's a little more morbid than what we're used to in, in its theme work, but it's definitely got that kind of it's connection to it. It's definitely hands down one of the most beautiful tracks on the record. Yeah, my, it is, it yeah. is very pretty. My, my biggest problem with this track is the fact that the next two tracks come after it. And not because this should have been the end, because I don't even know that would have been a good end. However, track eight is followed up by two completely bland tracks that it's like too li- it's the too little too late thing and and moving in, on into track 9 paralytic states i mean i just have nothing to say about this song i'm sure you guys do but as far as i'm concerned it was repetitive again bored i was this was another case bland where I really... it was i don't know why i'm talking like yeah. yoda vocally bland there was not even emotional flexion in the lyrics i mean it was just this song was this song particularly was so forgettable for me I don't even remember what it sounds like. It. This was an issue where I took again. Uh, I took issue with the medium punk. It. It's. It's very especially following two coffins. You know, here There's was such here a was, beautiful song. Here was the 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 signifying juxtaposition for the album. The the whole the total mood change. Now we're just right back. Yanked right back with without even looking back. First of all, again, there's those eighth notes <laughs> over and over and over and over. I think that's really a lot more of my problem than than the uh, than a three chord progression ever could be. It's just it has that that steadiness, which again I know it defines the genre in many ways, but I I kind of hate that it does. I really do. I just you gotta step out of it. Yeah, I mean, but that's uh, why. This, but similarly, they're also cramming more lyrics in here. There could this this interesting things in here. Very interesting things in here. This was some of the more inventive lyrical work here. But it was such... It was it was glossed over because of the manner in which it was sung. But that's was, just my point, John. Is what you're bringing up about the lyrics? The fact that you were like, there's very interesting things here. But had you not read them, would you have gotten them? Well, the whole, whole issue is uh, the song itself had that sort of moving on end of American Pie guy running to the prom kind of a beat to it very kind of the passe this is towards the closing kind of an idea going on here i uh it it's where it should be musically in the album it's supposed to represent an ending this is one of those times when the music's not really matching up with the lyrics because this is really it's it's really over feminizing the problems to some extent cut her face wide open shave the bone down then pumped her lips up exaggerated a fucked up kind of feminine standing naked in front of that hotel bathroom mirror in her dysphoria's affection she still saw her mother's son yeah all right obvious emotional turmoil going on here and powerful lyrics really powerful lyrics that get completely lost in the blandness of the song yeah it's just the one with the music imagery dragging it down that imagery I'm hearing for the first time now I did not get it at all from the two or three times I've listened to this record yeah no this is one I kind of wish was done as just poetry. Yeah, because this is something that I, I use always used to be my problem, especially when it came to uh, listening to music. Because for me, the music always came first, and lyrics were the kind of thing that they had to be. They really had to be integrated in order for me to really pick up on them. Because I, I, I just I have my I have my priorities when it comes to listening to music. You know, I I listen a little bit differently. I go toward toward the melodies and, right. and try to. If, if I'm going to be singing along to something, it needs to be how that works with the melody. And this 
it, it, it was again it was a song written around this around this great poem and and that's the problem really also though uh, on mine and john's end is as people who do notice lyrics as much as we notice music and kind of at least for me i go back and forth i do lo- I, I do notice i want to ba- make that but clear, this but these lyrics were nigh unnoticeable i would never have noticed these if i did not I'm read saying. them for the sake of yeah. this podcast and the fact that we're we're really tearing apart otherwise i would have gathered what i gathered and that if i had if i had done that this would have been such a thin review really yeah. thin oh yeah and and and, it's still and horribly on negative th- and it's still on the thinner side i mean it's thinner for that side cuz i can't, i have to remember that i that i did this you know and y- you can't count on everybody to 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 read and be this active with their yeah. um that's that asks a little bit too much let's let's make our way into the conclusion of the album so, Black Me Out is the final track, and this is where I, I be com- become completely disappointed. So, now we're two songs away from, from, from Two Coffins, and they're very much just diving head first, as if the first track wasn't doing it enough. The second track is head first into what the majority of the album had been doing. It's just more of this repetitive punk that refuses to, jo- to touch other genres, to pull in anything else. And again, another like I just the lyrics didn't stand out. I'm sure they might have been great lyrics, but the song is just so standard punk. I'm actually rejecting you in that note. I don't believe that these were great lyrics. This oh. was a, this, this was a case. See, I didn't notice them, so I just assumed it was a case of the same thing as not. Case, but no, this wasn't. It's not. This okay. this song started off so sweetly acoustic. Uh, almost tropey in in that way, but that nice simple guitar work with some a good setup to the actual lyrics. I don't ever want to talk that way again. I don't want to know people like that anymore. As if there was an obligation. As if I owed you something. No, but this is even part of my issue right there. That's that that is not anything grounded. That's good, not groundbreaking poetry. No, it's that's not, just setup. And it's that, a that's, good setup with the music. It's a nice, easy get you involved. But the way it builds, satirically, just about, with that huge, abrupt jump that we've talked about in so many other songs. Uh, oh, yeah, it was telegraphed. It's predictable. It's, it's predictable, but black me out. I want to piss on the walls of your house. Okay, yeah, you're pissed. We get Obviously. It. this. The lyrics are really just downhill from there. It's a poor conclusion to a record that wasn't doing very well. It was barely treading water to begin with, and this is just a very poor conclusion. It it seems like it wasn't it. It didn't take the high road. When, no, when it when no. it when it left, <laughs> definitely. And it really started. That's a great point. It yeah. really started out on the high road. It did. That's the my first problem. two tracks were very much the high road, and then it hinted at it throughout the record. But yes, you're absolutely right. That's the nail on the head. And I I really to 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 outline that I I need to read this particular stanza here. Because it's a shame this is really how it had to end for me. I'm just not a fan of this. I don't want to see the world that way anymore. I don't want to feel that weak and insecure. As if you were my fucking pimp. As if I was your fucking whore. Well, Okay. It's... I... That's a very... Again, I'm not not, not, uh, taking away points for being on the nose. It's just... But that's bland in its anger. Kinda. It's very straightforward and angsty and and almost immature. It, there, there you go. It's bland that's and the immature. Thing, immature. Like that's not that's that almost, mat- that almost says that the transition is still in effect, which may perhaps that is the point. But still, and it is. I know. I think I but there know was, from 
facts that it is still in effect. The, the transition. She goes from maturity to immaturity. Yeah. Which is she gets gradually more immature, oh, except man. for moments, which is unfortunate. Oh wow, that that that's something I just saw, and that's something that actually hurts the album right it's now. It's a regression in. in there the you theme. go. Thank it's a regression, you. and it's not pretty. And well, let's. It, it did kind of happen early, I, earlier than this. The the uh, the transition. Yeah, but to, the, to, but to it wasn't. So we went really. In, oh no, it did go blunt. Osama bin Laden as, as, um, as crucified yeah, Christ true. again. That comparison. That is that is your teenage angst right, right. there. Oh, look, yeah. my problem is this big. That's that's no. It's you're right. Troublesome. It's it's a little more obvious the more we talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to demean the situation. I'm sure this was a very harrowing experience. It's just I we don't. don't know, I like maturity. I see. I don't feel work. we have to defend ourselves. We're talking about music. The, no, the, I simply play devil's advocate. I'm simply showing both sides of the and equation. No, but then I understand. That. I what can I'm, see that point being drawn from what what our, our and what are. I'm saying is it's irrelevant to the fact that we're still judging the music. You know, obviously. Going through something like this is harrowing, and truthfully, we can't tell you how to experience or write how you experienced it. Ultimately, this is her experience, and this is how she chose to voice it, but we don't have to like it. And That's ultimately where we're headed. I'll you know be, what I want no, no, to... Wait, wait. I just want right. to say, Lara Jane Grace, uh, she's, she's probably the definition of punk. She's just got attitude. She's got chops. She obviously knows how to make this music. Because she made made very punk music, but she's also probably one of the bravest people we've reviewed on this show, and for that, she fit her genre perfectly. Brave is a funny word because in terms of, in terms of her life situation, yes, most certainly, and perhaps in terms of putting this up there as a work. Then again, I'm I, I know it's not the only bit of of coming out music that has existed. No, of course not. Yeah. So, it, but. But yes, brave in that respect, but not brave in the musical respect. No, no there's a lot of safe safety. Music. Very safe, that's my point. Why don't you take start take us home, Steve? Alright. Here's the thing. When I'm in the critic's chair, I can't exactly just hand out gold stars for earnesty. Musical ingenuity is what I'm lacking in this work, and I know that's not very punk of me, but I need to try and represent a listening popularity that just won't respond to, I feel you, man, or in this case... I feel you, girl. And to be clear, I'm not referring to the population that rejects the transgender community or rejects uh, a, a type of work that be, is too gushy in that regard. F*** them. This is, this is strictly an artistic discrepancy. Um, that's really where I'm going with this. I, th I think the maturity really is, is what comes down to it. I think this is immature from a musical perspective. I think she has a very mature voice. I, I really would love to hear that voice in... Um, in, in better context, in, in context that really explores other things aside from just the same three elements that I mentioned in the beginning, you know, man, or it's man, steady drum work, manic, steady eighth notes on your guitar, and then the, the sort of uh, scream style. Although I don't want to go too close with the scream style, because she's, she's normally closer to the singing end of that spectrum, and she really does have a very nice vibrato that, that is what I noticed in the very first track, and made me think, you know what, I... Could probably like this on, on a modern punk end, but it just it went nowhere from there. Going back to that maturity thing, there are a couple times, a couple moments on this album where in, in the unlikeliest of places, I feel like I'm getting the maturity. Not, not just uh, the maturity, it's not immaturity. 
I get maturity in the very first track, but believe it or not, Drinking with the Jocks, I think it really grew on me after the fact, just because of of the road that it took. I find this as the more mature track because it takes the satire route in almost that clever fashion that is in the same vein as the uh, as the Lonely Island regard. It's it's almost comedic. You see this this uh, group of jocks just hanging around and being total idiots, and the the irony that someone should want to be in that group. And I'm sure the pressure was on for her to be in that group, but you almost feel the ridiculousness by the time the song is completed. You feel like, really? Really? Would you want to be immersed in that world? Would you want to be immersed in that? You feel the music. There's a musical connection there. Would you want to be immersed in that in that, in that room? It You don't. So, in, in a sense, I think that song really functions well artistically. I'm, uh... I reject any... any approach that simply puts it down because of musicality. Because to be honest, I, I once once the art has settled with me, I'd start enjoying it on that level. So that's a positive. But there's not much else. You just have two coffins, which is very sweet, but it's totally disconnected in a way. I mean, except if you explore the father-daughter, that's sweet. But again, arc, function, arc is the problem here. The fact that it follows up... Uh, the fact that it follows Fuck My Life 666, which is just so immature. You're going straight from... Eh... It's all over the place. It's really all over the place. I don't think I see the process here of transformation. I think I see a compilation of of snapshots of of when I was feeling better in this moment, when I wasn't feeling as good in this moment, and I kind of appreciate all that, but it just doesn't it 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 almost comes off as a stream of consciousness. Yeah. A creative stream of consciousness, but that's for a stream of consciousness. I'm gonna throw this in the twos certainly not in the ones there's too much uh, emotionality here for um for it to be anywhere that low musicality notwithstanding because music really did not impress me in any by any stretch in any place 2.5 smack dab in the middle of the slightly less than average album it needed more on both fronts uh my conclusions are similar to Steve's I mean it's just you know I really I really wanted to like this and the first couple tracks gave me hope because I was like oh this could be the underdog story this could be and and I mean the idea that someone who went through this experience wrote an album about it and it's a popular album on Rolling Stone and being fairly well received it's like this is a huge deal this is a big deal just because you're going about on, on about could'ves and would'ves, this could have been the the good, great, or great punk album that I was supposed to like that John was supposed to give me. Yeah, I tried. Still, really hard. he still I owes did me. Did try really hard. And on that so, album. just for me, the problem is, and I like I said, I don't want to. Uh, we're we're definitely not belittling her experience. It's just, I, it's there's not a lot of connection later in the record. It just falls short or feels immature, you know, or I just get lost. Um, I can't even be as generous as Steve is. I was just kind of unimpressed and disappointed with most of the record. Even though there's beautiful poetry there, and I get that, John, it was so buried in repetitive music that I didn't even notice it on after three listens. Three listens, I didn't notice half of it. So for me, it's a 2.25. I just right. It falls short of even the halfway mark for me because I just... It's just there's not enough. The only there. reason I'm there is because of the lyrics. 
Yeah, and see, and I didn't even notice it, so, and I had to be told it. And to be told that poetry is there is like, hey, you should respect this. This is good stuff. It's just, I should be able to get some sense of it on my own. Well, I did get a sense of it on some songs, but certainly not in, in most. And, and so so that's where I stand with this, 2.25. Oh, this is the song, this is the album that made me realize that I no longer like 90s punk which is sort of like losing a best friend uh, from your childhood. It, it Punk was a huge part of my life when I got out of the classic rock and got out of my parents' house and, you know, went to college and became who I am today. Matured. <laughs> no, I, I would, I, no I'm, not gonna oh. use, I'm not going to use the word matured. Okay, that's, fair enough. That's obvious if you, if, if you meet me in person, listeners. I'm not a mature individual. Cheerfully withdrawn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But I want more flair in my music. I want more intelligence in my music. I want more skill. That being said, there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for theme work. I love theme. I love stories. There, you you miss the lyrics. I heard all the lyrics, because I'm used to hearing words and understanding them in this setting. That's how you listen. So yeah, it's it's what I'm used to. So I I heard it all. It was. I enjoyed a lot of what I pointed out on the first listen to. But it's kind of a shame that I'm seeing all these tropes using and and the the, the disconnect between the lyrics and the music and the vocals and 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 this and that and the other thing it just kept bring, bringing it down cuz I really really wanted to like this album more so than both of you. Um uh, I'm with Steve on this one. This is a two two five. I well, I said two five. I mean uh, two five. That's what I meant. He said two two five. I was picturing my head two point five, but I just kept stuttering. Uh, <laughs> it was it was two. It's a two five. It's not mainstream. It's going to get a lot of props because of its theme. It's going to get a lot of of recognition because of that. Because of it because of its content. I think it also needs to be discussed the music side of it. And being punk and being this punk, it's been a while since we've heard it, but we have, in fact, heard it. So, yeah, 2.5. I just think that, for me, the sake of the thing, the, the, the sake of putting something on a pedestal because the person went through a ta- trying experience is annoying to me. And I'm not trying to belittle the, her, her experience. I'm just saying it shouldn't be on a pedestal because of her experience. That said... This album didn't go in a direction I thought it might, considering the topic. But speaking of topics, I want to talk about where I thought it was going to go and where other albums have gone. We've. I'll continue. <laughs> I uh, let's let's see where you go with this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I thought that this album was going to be an outcry and activism for people going through a transgender experience. It's not. It's okay, really it's a very interruption. It's, interruption. That's not at all where I thought it was going to go, or where I thought it should should have gone. I was I was completely content with this being a diary experience. I don't think she has to be the uh, oh. the the proponent for for you know. I don't think she has to people. be either. I just wasn't sure where I, it was I going. I took this simply as a, as a personal work. This is what I went through, which there's no shortage of any any musical artist who have done the same. And with, I wasn't anything saying, and there's nothing through. wrong with that either. But there is one artist we did review that did both of what you're saying, an activist 
who really did a personal thing, and that was uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Personal stories, telling about things that should be changed in society. Yeah, he had a he had a definitely an edge with it, where he was also he was trying to um, to to get the ball rolling in a certain... He had a message he wanted to Well, yeah, to like, he was singing about, you know, it's things like Neon Cathedral, where he's singing about his own personal alcohol problems. Yeah. And on the same record, he was also singing about problems that are not personally his, but he's bringing to light problems that are there. In a sense, that was an album of extroversion. This is an album of introversion. For sure. Well, that's also Beyonce's record, was very much an activist album as well. The beauty norms, gender, yeah, the 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 whole. I mean, the the pretty hurts is all about the stereotypes of beauty, especially towards women. I would actually say that it's a both album. Well, hers it has personal. a diary aspect, but the there were that songs are, that pointed out the problems in society. Yes, that was the that extroverted idea, but they really had no connection to a lot of the more introverted songs. Of what was going on. Right. There, there was is a division on, with her music. There's a song on song. The, the point of all of this is I think that I wanted to talk a little bit about activism and music because it's very important and we've seen it for Since, many, many years. Yeah, act, it's, act, it's, activism it's, in the general sense because it's true this is not entirely related, but at the same time, activism of, often comes out of of personal personal strife and whatnot. So uh, it's been 50. Let's talk about the positives and the negatives because. In, in a sense, activism could go farther than um, the personal work in terms of rubbing people the wrong way. I am actually more accepting of a work like like, like hers, like uh, Laura, Laura, Grace, Laura, Laura Jane Grace, like her work right here. I should say against me in general. There were other people involved. But again, this is kind of, you know, in a more focused uh, sense. She is the main lyricist, I presume. And she wrote a personal work. It, it's It's... Interview, but no one could possibly get in there and say, "Oh, you shouldn't be writing about this." That's absurd. No one could possibly say yeah, that. Yeah, of course. It it is it is her life story. That's a great use for, uh, for music. Activism is a funny thing though, because in that sense, you really are trying to change society in a certain way. And there's been yeah. no a lot of music out there that 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 has worked in that regard. That has been sure. very influential to change at least change hearts, change minds, that kind of thing. Then again, all this stuff can go beyond preachy to a point well yeah and we've reviewed a few bands uh besides macklemore and ryan uh flowbots <laughs> yeah that's but one see, of the Flo- main reasons why i love but their see, music flowbots Flo is a band where i feel their activism is very much this is our message we're pushing this message but you know they're not forcing their message upon you they're more they ask for unity as opposed right. to demand compliance which is something that Rage Against the Machine did a lot and as much yes. as I like Rage Against the Machine's music which I love o- over time the message got very grating because eventually it became we're right not this is the message you should free think it was this is our message and we're right that's exactly the reason why and, i tend to be a little edgy around that stuff this and, is why i don't always like politics in my in my music right because it, when it becomes the point of look left ring white ring who cares what side you're on the point is if if, if someone's telling you how to believe uh uh-uh, fuck you go fuck yourself i don't want you to tell me how to believe well yeah. one of my or either that though or it only it depends on the person who you're talking to because of course you know to Everyone out there that believes in in gay rights, when you think about it, that song, uh, uh, Same Love, that really is kind of telling you, in a way, this is really how you should believe. And of course, I think we all agree with that here around the the podcast table, 
But of course, to anybody who doesn't, well, that song will be offensive. That's, so there is a double standard. With I that guess kind that's of thing. true. Yeah. Well, you, you what? Uh, one band that really has gone from, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea to, to just please stop talking. Is REM? They really did. They started off as kind of, hey guys, this is a great idea. Let's be, you know, let's let's love each other and be good to each other. And they kind of become kind of snobby recently. This is more personal as opposed to their actual music, but it shows in their more mu- recent oh, music. Oh, oh, wait, light bulb. What? So we can't talk about activism and music with talk without talking about the godsend who believes he was put on this earth to make everything better. Bono. You <laughs> two used to make music. Sometimes the music had a message. But then somewhere around the late 2000s, Bono decided, nah, I don't need to make good music. I can just preach on a bandstand. Who needs music? And Someone probably argue that it wasn't, that they weren't, you know, exclusive. That, that, well, the music would have declined anyway. And the fact that he threw his heart and soul into all this other stuff, you know, was and just that, a, and, a byproduct. And I'm it. also not trying to say that all the things that Bono represents are wrong or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just, course, let's Bono face it, like, does, on, on the face of it, yes, he raises a lot of money and probably is helping out a lot of people in need. He's a really become, good guy. It's become a big trope, of course, that his face is out there. And I think that's really the funny thing. Is yeah. It's a musician here as as the as the face of of brotherly love mm-hmm. and give to the but poor. But I feel like besides the fact that they made music... Is he really like? When's the last time they put out an album? Yeah, I'm not exact. I'm not 100 percent certain. Besides on, the on Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark soundtrack, I know of course that in the 80s, that's when you get all the great albums that people yeah. always cite from you two. And everyone I talk to seems to have the same exact opinion. Like, oh man, you gotta listen to Joshua Tree. Gotta listen to Joshua, well, Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree was a great that's record. That's the thing. But then, then no one has ever cited anything recently. So mm-hmm. yeah, everyone kind of feels the same way about you two these days. Oh, that's yeah. Although a lot of people have emulated their music, uh, yeah. their style. Well, they said I, that, I recognize well, when they, you two in everything. When they made their big comeback in the late '90s, early 2000s, they kind of emulated and embodied the stadium rock sound, and yeah. the, a lot of people have mimicked that. Um, There's a distinction though, because uh, his activism is all. I'm not sure it's always been in the music itself. No, it hasn't. Very rarely, in fact. Yeah. So that's a different more... kind of thing. That's instead using, uh, using personal the money influence. that you make from you exactly personal, personal influence, influence to and, to and to, just to... Hold, card hold card oh, cash. Just also, I want to jump back for a minute for those who are thinking, hey, they didn't do their overall wrap up of this album. I left it off on purpose. I didn't give it the one, two, or three rating as far as, you know, burn it, listen to it, buy it, because honestly... It's not relevant here. Yeah, yeah, this album, it's so irrelevant because it's one of those things that it's It's just, a piece of work. Yeah, and that's it. And I just want to leave it at that. I don't want to generalize it. This is an album that doesn't deserve to be generalized. Take it as you will. You, we gave you our rating. No, in fact, I still, I still argue that this could very well reach out to, the, of course, the person who is going through this exact kind of transformation. It could very well right. reach out to them. Although, still, because we said about the immaturity thing, perhaps even then, it's not the best of met- messages to preach. So I decided to leave that off. Getting back to activism, though, I think that that was an interesting point that you made, Steve. The fact that Bono is an example of where his activism has been more on a personal level and less in his music. Um, 
I think almost okay. a better example of, of the music itself is probably Bob Dylan. Yeah, you go. Yeah, there he is. Classic rock. He was coming. He was going to be brought up eventually. Although apparently even he's not immune to commercialization since he did record a Super Bowl commercial selling cars. <laughs> well, yeah, he's Bob Dylan. Yeah. He's, he's gone on in years. I'm not going to get that. That was actually something I wanted to... I'm not the biggest Bob Dylan fan, but a little bit of commercialization has never really like perturbed me. I mean, it's, no, it's me how either. you would make a living. The people making a big deal about it is... Yeah, ridiculous. But if you want to talk about activism, like modern day's version of you know trying to get the people to take their hands on the reins of government, uh, you're talking a lot of classic rock, but really especially a lot of southern rock artists. That's that's what they did. That was like the most modern progenitor of grassroots. I, I would take a different route with this. With Southern Rock. We're all trying to sort of pigeon down, like, which genre. Of course, every genre has probably broached this at some point or another. But I am going to pigeonhole one genre because I think more so than these. The 60s folk. Folk is really where it's at here. And that's what well, Bob Dylan, of course, was from that movement. Um, but very relevant because he passed away recently. Pete Seeger. Oh, yeah, sure. Kind of one of the biggest in that movement. Some of the songs that he wrote, he was... And he did it in a very passive way, which I don't yeah. think was in the slightest bit, you know, uh, you know, overt or, or obnoxious. I mean, I, I, actually, I can't even imagine a situation where people would put the word obnoxious and Pete Seeger in the same exact sentence. I can't. He's as, as gentle as anything. Anyway, he lived a very long, fulfilled life. I think he passed away at the age of 94 or 5 or something like that, just, just a matter of weeks ago. Um, you know, and they've done full specials on him and everything, but the... He toured the world, literally, sort of being a, a, a primarily again to entertain. But there's in there was inherent activism within that. Of, I'm trying to think of specific songs. Of course, they're, kind of, they're the kind of songs that like, you would instantly know whenever right. you heard them. Of that course. we take them so for granted, such that when I heard a lot of these songs, I was like, "Really? That was Pete Seeger? Really? That was Pete Seeger?" You know. Sure. The idea that all of them could come from one man. And another individual. Uh, from the same time frame, uh, John Lennon. Uh, very, so yeah, sure, a very obvious individual. Love uh, or hate his solo music. But... Specifically his solo work. Because yeah. it was supposed to be edgy, it was supposed to be out there, and because it really does... I mean, the, the poster child for that idea is Imagine. That song itself is it was a rallying cry for a lot of ideas that ended up purveying the, the, the 70s and 80s and 90s in, in, in what our society was trying to do. I mean, they, they haven't been 100%, but imagine there's no heaven. Imagine just that song itself was... was a, it is the, a type the, of activism in its way. It was the hope of the future. It's funny. Given, uh, given voice for a while. And we can't talk about activism, I think, without going into the tropes of it. And we touched on it a little bit, you know, with the overblown personality like Bono is. But let's talk about the AIDS. And I mean the AIDS like Band-Aid and Africa-Aid. and what. Oh, so the, we're talking about Bono again. <laughs> so the group... Con- actually, the, the first one... Okay, hold on a second. Well, you continue. So the first one was actually Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, and a few others who, who started that. But the idea of the group musician movement, the creating the song about peace and love to raise money by selling albums for these struggling nations or situations or positions and, you know, or even most recently with Haiti when they had that horrible hurricane, earthquake, I don't even remember what natural disaster it was. was. But, yep. 
but they released CDs online or artists were releasing songs for download online to donate towards this cause. You know, this idea that you selling music but no longer for yourself, getting together to sell it for a greater cause. I mean, a great yeah. example of something that did a big thing was the 9-11 one. Yeah, of course. I that mean, that was too. that was huge and made a, a ginormous, a gargantuan amount of money. I think... But, I think The Simpsons had one of the greatest parodies on this exact situation with the, uh, the there was a whole, this is based on a true story, the, the boy who fell down the well. Yeah. It was a really early episode for The Simpsons, and of course it was based on a, on a, on a girl who actually did fall down a well, and it was it was a similar kind of vein. Like, the community gathered round, celebrities stepped in to say how, to say how we're going to save this, this poor little girl, right? And of course The Simpsons just does a complete parody on this, <laughs> of where... One of the jokes is that they spend so much money on on the fundraising thing that they only ended up breaking even at the end if they just put the money directly in. It's so absurd. The yeah, event, the the, it's in a sense, and I'm not saying that every celebrity goes into these these situations with the idea that they're going to put their face out there, but that usually is the end result. They put their face out there. The it, these aids, while they do good, especially when they work well. It is preying on the the idea of making someone feel better for being a consumer. It's mm. it's it's kind of both good and bad because it's just thinly veiled consumerism that you just you feel less guilty about spending money on something yeah, that but I you may that, not really need. But I don't know that it's just that because I think it's also we know as a country at least in America we're good at spending money. If yeah, there's one thing we're good at, let me finish. We're good at spending money. So if you create a thing that people want to buy to raise money and they're not thinking so much about it, they'll spend the money to help someone else, you but, know. But from personal experience, I don't buy things in order to donate. When I feel like giving and from time to time I actually feel like giving, I give money no, to organizations. No, of course. No, of course. It's a little it's not shady. It's not wrong. But it just doesn't switch, sit quite right to, you know, do something like that. To sell something to raise money. Because then, first off, you're, you're taking out of the actual money going towards people. In a lot of situations, you actually have to spend money on the artist. They have to get a cut in a lot of cases. Or the, the, the producers That's have to get a cut. That's actually not really true. Especially and, in the and, more you know, recent cases, like with Haiti and with 9-11. They all did it for free. They raised the money. And it was given to the charities yeah, that sometimes it went to. that's the thing this is not like an overcasting statement of course some a lot of yeah. times it is done right yeah you know i mean that like you know even in the case of like activism the 24-hour plays which i've talked about before that i worked on these artists who do these projects where they create theater in 24 hours in a whole 24-hour cycle none of them are getting paid it's all free volunteer work nobody's getting paid the money that's raised goes directly to the students who are trying to get into the arts. These people who can't otherwise get this exposure to the arts that they deserve. These creative people. Yeah. And and though that kind of activism is something that I get behind more than anything is seeing these people who, some of them have egos and some of them don't, get together and just do what's right to help those who need it. And you know what? Getting back to lyrics also, it, it works the same way there. You don't have to have, you know, lyrics aren't always so overt that they're obnoxious or on the nose or anything like that. The best that I prefer is, is the general kind. I just remember the uh, 
Pete Seeger's song, one of the one of probably the most widely known, is "We Shall Overcome." Right. How could you possibly get more general than that? And that was written in 1963, of course, uh, at that time pertaining to the civil rights movement, right. which was you know just perfect for the time. "We Shall Overcome." That's a hope-filled song. Yeah. You you couldn't be any more on point with that. Um, there's no room there for obnoxiousness or anything of the kind. That just yeah. it was a very much needed song at the time. Yeah. So I think that's more you know, that's an example of the high road. Yeah. No, uh, that's that's for sure. I mean, ultimately it's there's this is not a discussion of should there or shouldn't there be activism in music. It's a case by case basis. Ultimately, yes. If you're fighting for a cause that do, that I sh- see it's so hard to use specific language when talking about this because to say you should or shouldn't gather around a cause, I mean, ultimately, it's opinion, I guess. Although there are some causes that should be stone cold obvious now, like equal rights and all of that stuff. You know, I, I've had this discussion a lot of times because I like, you know, getting into arguments and pissing people off and getting pissed off myself. And the way I look at it is this way: if you're doing something for the betterment of an individual, any individual, without the detriment of other people, that's something you should do. Yeah, that's, that's a very general. That's a good rule of thumb. That's a good that's, rule of thumb. If you can find a way to give whoever equality without infringing upon another person, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. If you if you find a way to give somebody happiness without hurting anybody else, you're doing the right thing. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. It's it's a funny thing because yeah that that's I think that's the most ideal way to look at it. I, um, I would agree. That's that's altruism. That's activism. Did I say that word right? Yes, you did. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, that's being you know human a lot or of, even humane. The detriment, of course, of well, it's hard to imagine a scenario in which a song could possibly contribute to someone's detriment. I mean, how, how how benign is that? It's a song. It is a song at the end of the day. It's, but it does it does it can wear I mean, on we've gone into it can wear on certain groups of hate course. Speech and and, it, and people stuff. and some people are easily influenced. And that's I the mean, thing. There is a lot, yeah. There's a lot of music out there that I mean, but is not always preaching uh, great things. Yeah, but I, that, I, 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 for instance, there's a lot of I. I'm not a fan of anarchy by any stretch. I don't think that anarchy is a good thing, even if. A lot of people want to go balls to the wall. We don't like the government. We're just going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. I think that's fairly... I think it's a damaging thing. And yet there of are course. a lot of bands that sing about that kind of thing. Uh, just that's the, not positive to me. Of course. Well, just the same how there are plenty of yeah. bands who sing about misogyny and the mistreatment of women. And yeah. that it's become ubiquitous and accepted in yeah. many musical cultures. This all falls under the realm of First Amendment, a thing we like to hold up very, very strongly and will never stop holding it up. So that's a thing. We're not saying you can't sing about it. Sing about it to your heart's content. It's more of a question of of should you because you have to realize that as an artist you will influence younger minds if you get a whole movement of anarchists behind you well that's not really the best thing for the next generation always it's not just content it's also usage it's the implementation if you want to you know do the next civil rights movement good for you be a leader but if you want to do the next civil rights movement that's really gonna like Screw stuff up for someone. Think about it beforehand. I'm not saying, yeah, you should... Uh, the, the stuff like the recent 99 percenters. Sure. Y- yes. Yes I'm and a 90- no. I, yes. I, I, yes and no. Yes. 
Even that, but no, even that there had are its, some had its problems. thinness to it. There are some issues with your ideas because, yeah, that, there are some things you, you people like that stuff to work out. Short sightedness, I think, is the problem. People, that's a, that's here's one thing. Ever since the nineteen sixties, because I again we sort of talked about this on a on a in a vague sense that that was the origin of the popular idea that um that this is going to be in the media as a, as a, a common thing because you don't see a lot of that in pop music pre-1960s um you know activism for the sake of activism songs that are purely written around that it would be a very uh it would be a very clouded thing i think prior to that not in every sense but again 60s that's really where we get our origin of the whole activist movement um but because of that it, it becomes it becomes pop culture that's really where the problem is is because once it's pop culture it's for a lot of people, it's simply cool to be activist for the sake of activism. I think in a lot of situations, you end up with uh, situations where people want to change things that are probably good just because it's cool in a circle to change them. Yeah. You know, you will always run into those that, that circumstance. You need to take everything objectively and really look at what you're fighting, not of just course. fight for the sake of fighting. And I think that's where, I think that's where um, activism does have its pitfalls. Instead of trying to save the whales by funding research and, and trying to get money to protecting them, getting on a boat in front of an oil company's tanker, that's not a very smart way of doing it. It never really works out for the little boat with the guys with the signs. If you're going to do this, if you're going to be an activist, if you're going to do something, do it intelligently. Do it in such a way where you have a shot. Intelligence is key, but here's the thing. The group think will not always... Oh, this is the word of the month for Never me. underestimate the power of stupid people in large Never groups. underestimate the <laughs> power of suggestibility. For that instance, too. the idea that that old Seinfeldian joke, which was again based on real life, the idea that a ribbon will solve all problems. Wear the ribbon. You have to wear the ribbon. Whether it's for AIDS or breast cancer or whatever, you have to wear the ribbon. Because that's really what's going to solve the problem. I mean, one, day. one group that has done a lot of good is PETA. But you know what? Some of the things they do, and I'll be flat out with it, and this is not the opinion of the other people on, on this podcast. This is the opinion of John only. PETA does stupid things. No, that is the opinion of me also. <laughs> yes. They have burnt was down not, facilities. I didn't that's want, I didn't stupid. Wanna, they are idiots. No. Well, <laughs> but at the same time, they've done a lot of good for the world as a whole. Yeah. Because they have actually saved the lives That's of the animals. perfect situation where you have an organization that is supposed to stand for, for, for good things, but it's individuals that fall into the trap where they just get carried away with the idea and they take it in such the wrong way. This is this is a prime example of the pitfalls of activism. Yeah. I think, I think that like a lot of the things we've talked about, there's a good, but there's also a bad. And and sometimes those bad get really bad, depending on where you look. Well, that's the thing. We started off this conversation, well, how bad could it be? A song? Well, burning down a building's a problem, yes. I, I would agree. <laughs> I'd say that's a big problem. You but... Also, but then, uh, let's just spin it, spin it back one more time. Uh, devil's Advocate for the Devil's Advocate. And that's, uh, you, you cannot stop... Of free speech, and that's never something no, that you put not. out there because this goes down that road of the songs that have so-called inspired, you know, children or or teenagers to shoot up their schools and whatnot. Well, but what are you gonna blame, the kid or the songwriter? I'm gonna blame the, the kid, kid and his parents and the kids who bullied them and the individuals who influenced them and the individuals. Who gave him the opportunity? It's never going to well, be that, one that person's go, that fault. That always goes back to the one person's Obviously. fault. Obviously, 
But it's never one idea's fault. There is no... You can't be... Because you, it's not cancerous to listen to Disturbed. You're not no, going to go not. and become an anarchist and a hate monger or something like that to listen to someone saying F you to somebody else. That's stupid in and of itself. But at the same time, these things still do influence other people. Yeah, you have to accept that they influence, but yeah, accept that it's always down to the individual's choice. Yeah. That's all I want to do. I just wanted to wrap it around back to music because, you know, it's far be it, you know, for all of uh, PETA's things, you know, that's not, it's not necessarily, that's an organization that, that perhaps has influenced people. It's the good ideas of an organization um, versus the good ideas or good intentions of a songwriter to yeah. to share their art that might be misconstrued it it's just such a gray area you always have to the the number one thing to preach is always uh prudence but but admittedly it it's tough <laughs> it's, it's it's tough it, yeah it, 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 there's a line i don't think we should do a summation or a wrap-up because we can kind of okay. paint ourselves into a corner no the, Z- the number... say what you're gonna say but know how other people are going to hear. Well, my, it. That's my, what it really. Oh, I remember about. what I wanted okay. to say. Now. That might be what it boils. When about. we were talking about the, and this is much less, well, severe, not severe. We were talking about blurred lines and it stirred up all this stuff because it's very misogynistic and very inappropriate, and that caused a lot of problems. This song, you know, I, I, I think I had posted somewhere that you know this is a problem. Songs like this are a problem. They perpetuate the problems. And then someone commented saying, well, I don't think so. I think blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm entitled to, they're entitled to free speech and so am I. And then one of my other friends said, yes, and I'm entitled to punch you in the face for your free speech. Just because you have the right to say it doesn't mean I don't have, I, I can ignore my right don't to Don't have the right it. to express it. Right, yeah, exactly. And then that's the reality. That's what it comes down to. Regardless of what your opinion is, remember, you're welcome to voice it. That doesn't mean everyone's going to agree with you or like it. Ultimately. Say it because it's worth saying. Or you at least think it's worth saying. Don't say it as a response. Don't say it just to piss someone off. Say it because it has standing You believe it and it's worth it. Well, no. Because it has standing on its own. It's something that not just should be said, but needs to be said. Yeah, I agree. Go free speech. I think so, too. Go free speech. Go Go free free speech. speech. Um, Why don't you hit us with our spam email of the week. Oh, you bet I got a spam for you. You text. In text? It's text. Why why wouldn't it It's text form. It's not in space. It's always in text form. Well, Well, no, I used to write it down. That's true. You're right. Mm Mm-hmm. Constantly, I used to read smaller content that as well clear their motive, and that is also happening with this piece of writing which I am reading at this place. By Shubai Coupons, 2014. That was Shubai. A, that was a little hard. It wasn't. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Once again... Do, do you need a reread? I'll no. Provide no. You. no. I'm trying to count prepositions right now. You work on that. We'll move on. I think there's more prepositions than nouns. I will read it again. Not no. Good. All right. All right. Anyway. All right. So the, this this wraps up this week's podcast. Before we close it out, um, Steve, why don't you hit us with your choice for next week? All right. I'm going down the odd route, but I have enjoyed Shocking. I have enjoyed several things by this band. Um, I've also been curious about other things by this band. wasn't 100 percent on board with some things. Okay, we're going with the band. 
The Silver Mount Zion Memorial Orchestra. The album? Fuck off, get free, we pour light on everything. What was the name of the band? The Silver Mount Zion Memorial Orchestra. You've talked about them before. Well, I have. I, got I it. My, hope they're on. My, roommate, my roommate in college got me into them, and, and, and they were... You know, I, ha- I have to go through phases with this band. It's never something I can spend long periods of time in. At the same time, they can be very, very moving when they want to. And Other isn't... times, eh, they can be a little droning, but it's experimental. It could go anyway. Uh, and with a title like so that, I'm hoping they're very provocative. They can be. This is purely musical, though. I mean, yes, there are a lot of... And they are very... Actually, no, I take that back. Not purely musical. They are known for going down the road of, of very long track titles. Titles that are almost stories in of themselves. And then, if you look at lyrics, they'll cover the front of their albums with, with words and words and words and words and words that go on and on and on. They are not succinct people. And they take pride in that. Joy. This should be interesting. Yes. Um, well, on that note, let's get out of here because I feel like we'll be reading the album title for days. That's almost a greater sign-off than ever. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right, Music guys. is life. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's it for this week. Um, we'll check you next week with that, um, that new album, Steve's Choice. Um, as always. Music uh, is life. And, and life, life is, is good. good.